This is the port version of Say What's the Podcast about soul and funk. Sound effects, levels, and headlines are not yet fully customized for this format. We hope you're understanding and that you will enjoy the show. Taxi! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you. Say what one more goddamn time. <laughs> What he's saying. Welcome to Say What's the Stolen Funk Important Podcast. It's about the musical legacy of the legends and the exploration of all common artists. to another episode of Say What about soul and funk. I'm Michael and as usual, I got my co-host with me, uh, Douglas and uh, Joachim. Nice to see you guys. Nice Hi there you. everyone. How are you? Everything is fine. A little bit cold. Our first uh, day of snow actually. It's Scandinavian. It's Scandinavia. Yep. Well, thank you, Michael. And um, thanks to our viewers, our listeners for the great feedback that we got from our last episode. Big shout out to all of you. Thank you very much. Yes. Big thanks. Uh, our speedcasts will be in longer version in the future. So stay patient, everybody. They're coming, they're coming. As you can see, due to Corona, this episode has been recorded with the Say What crew separated from each other, but that doesn't stop us. The oh no. will keep on going. It sure. will keep on going. <laughs> Absolutely, that's for sure. The guest of this episode is the legendary saxophone player, Eric Leeds, uh, maybe best known from his time with Prince, but before that, Douglas, over to you. We will dive a little bit deeper into this uh, horns instrument and uh, some um, foreground icons in the history of soul and funk. Right, Michael? That's right. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. Yes, we will dedicate this episode to the horns, the horns of soul and funk music. Soul and funk music itself can, can be a lot of different things and be described in many different ways. Uh, is it maybe the soulful vibrato of uh, Rita Franklin's voice or, or is it maybe the offbeat of the drums, the raw of James Brown or the chicken grease guitar or, or maybe that mysterious space in between that makes this funky soulful music vibrate. Whatever it is, I think that most of us who appreciate this kind of music would say that a good horn section, including a saxophone, trumpet and trombone, is the foundation of a real good funk and soul song.
classic examples is of course James Brown. His contribution can, cannot be underestimated. Um, he might not have been the first, but he was probably the best one to implementing horns into the soul and funk music. You can say that he brought some kind of dirt into this uh, Rat Pack orchestral music formula. Wow. One, two, three, four. And then of course Tower of Power, since the early 70s they are the, you can say, very definition of tight horns arrangement. And even up until this day, they are the kind of point of reference to anyone of us who tried to arrange some kind of horns to music of soul and funk. Wow. So all hail to Tower of Power and James Brown. It was mainly the saxophone that was implemented into the modern contemporary pop hit music. Every song should almost have their own saxophone solo somewhere there. And uh, of course the growing hip-hop movement backlashed against all this mainstream formula. Jazz in the hip-hop funk, it's me, chump. The originator with the flavor, just like a fine tooth sax. I'm all of that. I'm getting fatter than fat, to be exact. So when you step to see the man come in, don't get too close. Unless you can't withstand the pressure. Cause now I'm the aggressor, calling you out to test skills. Let's see who gets brought. Had her own musical landscape, of course, with no live instrument in, in that way. They were heavily sampling, on the other hand, by, of course, of James Brown's song, George Clinton, Fred Wesley, Buhan on uh, Maceo Park, all those kind of tight tracks from back then were there. But uh, of course, we had jazz matress and acid jazz and stuff like that. Everybody 
everybody knows they have times when they want to just lay back, kick their feet up, you know, listen to some good music, and just lounge. That's right. I said lounge. I said lounge. But there was not really something that knew that contributed to the horn's development. You can say it was first during the 90s and the neo-soul movement, led by D'Angelo as the most uh, charismatic front figure that we once again could uh, experience real tight horn arrangement. have always been a bridge builder a bridge between different genres um, in this way jazz went into blues gospel into soul and back and forth uh, miles and coltrane of course have their contribution and uh, other modern acts is the the now late uh, award-winning trumpet player roy hargrove not at least his R.H. Factor, who, in a, who combined different genres and uh, developed the whole genre in a very new and uh, groundbreaking way.
Thank you, Michael. Just as Roy Hargrove was a creative cross-border musician, in this pod we also want to look ahead, whereupon we want to recommend Takuya Kuruda. He's a Japanese trumpeter. He's living in, uh, in Brooklyn, in the States. He started music with uh, Jose James, actually. Wow. And Jose James uh, he also produced Takuya's uh, album Rising Sun. Amazing Check album. Yeah. Amazing album, yeah. We will dedicate one of our upcoming review episodes to, uh, well, among other things, Takuya's album from last autumn, Fly Moon, Die Soon. But we yes. urge you to check him out right now on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you're listening to music. Yes, don't hesitate. Go out, check him out. multifaceted uh, song treasure uh, exciting arrangements and uh, challenging genre combinations we also soon be reviewing our previous guest Gary Scheider his new album Pandemic Ooh. as well as Jellabin Johnson's new album Get Experienced yes yep. yeah Jellabin Johnson a member of the time and now in the family reincarnated F Deluxe He's mm-hmm. producer of songs for uh, Janet Jackson, Nona Hendrix, Mint Condition, Alexander O'Neill, and others. And uh, Jellybean, whom we, by the way, had the privilege of talking to some time ago, will uh, soon be in another episode of Say What. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm Jellybean Johnson. Welcome to the Say What podcast, funk podcast. Off the chain. Y'all check it out. Enjoy. <laughs> What's up, Jelly? What's up, baby? How you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing good, man. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, uh, Real Music Radio, where the women is fine and the music is hot. Woo! Hey, I'm Jellybean Johnson. Welcome to the Same What Podcast. But before that, as promised, Mr. Eric Leeds. But for those who don't know, who is he? He was the saxophone player for Prince from 1985 up until, well, 2010 and, and on. Without the influence of this educated jazz musician, Prince might not have connected with the legacy of, from his father, who was a jazz musician as well. So... Hey, 
started implementing jazz influences to what became some of Prince and Music History's foremost albums like Parade and Sign of the Times. Cool. In addition, uh, a handful of instrumental side projects uh, such as Madhouse, the album Muse, as well as the group The Family, which were the ones that Prince gave the song Nothing Compares to You. So without Eric, probably not have had the Prince we got. That's true, and Eric also indirectly helped us fans around the world, and uh, including me, and I guess you two guys as well, but, uh, helped us open our eyes to jazz. And I guess Eric owed it to me that uh, I was starting to go to record shops and uh, buying one or two records from Miles and Coltrane, and I remember this bitch's ruin kind of, uh, I just like, wow. But now, enough talking. Hey, Eric, blow your horn. Wait a minute, guys. Do we really need to listen to Eric and Miles and call you? You got me, right? You, you know, I got, you know I got my trumpet with me. I have it here somewhere. Oh, here we go. You, you, don't you, do it. Oh, yeah, I have to do it. You can't stop me now because we're... <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> oh, don't. Ruin the show. He's at it again. Wow. Really into it. Please don't. <laughs> uh, he thinks he's he's better than Eric Leeds, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> 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 it's like Eric. I need you in the studio at eight o'clock. I'm there at eight o'clock. A lot of times we wouldn't even hear the song before we started recording because he'd already have the track done. And sometimes he'd know exactly what he wanted us to do. Other times he maybe just had a simple idea and might just throw out an idea and say, okay, this is where I want to begin. I need a line at this point in the first verse. Um, and he might say, Eric, what do you got? You got anything? Working with Prince, the first thing you realize is that you don't hesitate. Whatever. Throw some shit against the wall and see if it sticks.
this is this is just uh, that's just miles. You know, Col Coltrane's up there. <laughs> so that he was doing particularly uh, i mean you talk about timeless records you can still listen to kind of blue yeah. and it's still it's you know the same same with coltrane love supreme his his greatest things i mean i you know there are people who still listen to giant steps and think that oh my god yeah. you, you know has there been anything written since then that is as harmonically progressive or as as revolutionary as is is what that was if someone was to come to me who wasn't that familiar with Prince's music, but was interested in getting into his music. And for, and, and for whatever reason, if they asked me an opinion on it said, well, maybe I've heard this album or, but where should I really start? Mm -hmm. I would be inclined to say, start with sign of the times. If you really want to get the, 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 the widest idea of what just as a musical artist, he was, he was capable of. It's like that James Brown was my Prince you know, growing up with that, because I knew James Brown since I was 14 years old. The, the, the first project that I was involved in with Prince that brought me into the camp was the project of uh, the family. Yeah. And um, at that point, there was absolutely no discussion or no reason for me to believe that I would ever end up being in his band. The, the, the shift over to his band happened when our lead singer, Paul Peterson, who is, by the way, my Today, still my closest musical friend and my closest musical collaborator with our musical project, LP Music. But back in those days, when Paul decided to leave the family, um, that's when Prince decided to expand the revolution, bring me in and just shift me. And he just because I asked him, I said, so where do we stand now that if the family project is going to go kaput? Mm. And he said, um, come over to my band. So all of a sudden, we're kind of looking at each other and we're laughing and we're just said, how the hell did we end up here? You know, because now we're with, you know, one, one of the most significant pop, you know, artists of, of the era. Um, and we're, you, you know, the job itself is no different. Whether I'm playing with a bar band in a club or playing with Prince in front of 15,000 people, the job is no different. The only difference is, is the surroundings yeah. and the travel conditions because... <laughs> Because the hotels are a lot nicer than what.
I mean, the band just sounded ridiculous. It was so good. Yeah, it was so tight. But it was yeah. just what surprised me is I had no emotional recollection of how great the band was night after night after night. Because all I remember is just, I got a gig tonight. Good, let's get it over with. You know, and it was like, because of the nature of the show, um, we had a lot of off days during that tour in Europe because that wasn't a show you could do one-nighters with because it took so long yeah. to set up Very the stage and everything. production, yeah. Yes. So what I remember most about that tour was all the wonderful off days I had, particularly in Europe, mm. because I loved traveling to Europe. That was one of the greatest mm. things about being with Prince is year after year, I was spending my summers in Europe. And it was just like, all I remember is, oh, shit, today we got a show. Damn. Okay. And that really was my attitude. Mm. But yet and still, um, I'm looking at this tape and, oh, my God, we, you know, it, we sounded like we were playing like our lives depended on it. no rehearsal no. there was no wow. nothing planned at all mm -hmm. basically he would start by saying over the cue mic into our headphones he said okay um let's set a tempo like a medium tempo groove um john just start you know that's what the groove is um here's a tempo um let's start in the key of d mm -hmm. said start with the rhythm section eric I'll cue you when to come in. And basically, that's it. Mm. We start playing as it's going on. Prince might say to me in my headphones so I can hear Eric, um, grab your tenor and just start, give me a melodic line, something that can be the hook. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got. Wow. You know, we're in the key of D which means playing tenor, I'm in the key of E for the musicians that know how transpositions work. Yeah. Um, basically, that's all I got. So it's all done in real time. Wow. I don't believe there was any post-production. You know, it's possible the Prince might have added something after the fact, but I don't think he did on that. That's it.
No, knowing knowing that Miles really wanted Prince to produce him, do some, mm. you know, do some production sessions with him. I was talking to Prince and saying, why on earth won't you do this? Mm. And Prince was very honest. He said, Eric, I would not in the, I, I said, I can't tell Miles what to do. Mm. And I laughed. I said, well, yeah, I got a problem telling me what to do. You know, I, I, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I told him, I said, Prince, Miles isn't looking for you to tell him what to do. He wants you to provide a musical environment where he's going to know exactly what to do. You know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And finally, he just basically admitted to me. He says, I'm so freaking intimidated by the idea of producing Miles. This is Prince talking to me about this. So what did Prince do? He says to me, I want you to do some tracks for Miles. Mm, wow. And I'm looking at Prince. I said, with all due respect, I mean, I've gotten to know Miles. And Miles has been very complimentary of, of my playing with Prince. But I said, Miles doesn't, Miles isn't looking, for, he's not asking me to send him tracks. No, he's asking you, know. you. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, the upshot of it was, I did. Because Prince basically said, no, I need you to do some tracks. take a backseat to nobody in my admiration and and understanding of the remarkable musician that he was. <laughs> ¶¶ 
was the, the fascinating part of it because like, like I said from, from the beginning um, he wasn't making his music he had no obligation to me but to have been had the opportunity to have been a part of his musical process was what was fascinating and enjoyable Bye for now, people. See our webpage to get the link for our donate button at PayPal. Yeah. And uh, Spotify. So what? Subscribe and follow us on YouTube and uh, Facebook and wherever you can find Say What. Yeah. <laughs> and that crazy guy is just playing along. <laughs> 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 well, bye for now, people. Thank you very much. See you next time and watch out for a new episode of Say What?